welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two has, uh... <laughs> it's going to be an interesting yes. hour, folks. Here we go. Three, <laughs> two, one. And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Highline the stuff we've stepped in so you don't have to. I'm Son Edom, alongside somebody who is going to tell us how we can get our name in lights. <laughs> But on the set yes. of many, had a face-to-face confrontation with Tim Robbins. Yeah, <laughs> I did, actually. <laughs> did the A with Fonzie. I did. Did you really? I didn't pull out the thumbs oh. A, yeah. But we did have a very... Did you have the A? We, have, we, had, cool. we did have a good conversation. See, I would imagine that he would get totally tired Probably. of people wanting to take pictures. I was in Milwaukee, and there's a statue of Fonzie. And he's got the two thumbs up, hey, you know. And there was a line at the time of people wanting to take their picture with the statue. Right. Okay. Um, and so I jumped the line. I didn't take my picture. I just wanted a picture of the statue. So I wasn't going to wait in this line. So when the people left, then I moved in and snapped my pictures of the thing. Everyone was like yelling at me, but I didn't want a picture with the, with the, I wanted the picture of the statue. Right, right. Not me and the statue. Right. And then, um, and then I spent uh, the rest of the time walking around asking people where uh, the brewery was, <laughs> which of course is non-existent. Yes. You know, uh, was it like Schultz Brewery or something like that? That was on uh, Laverne, Laverne and Shirley. Shirley. But that was also in Milwaukee. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so they didn't like me. So he's get, really nice, by the way, Henry Winkler. Is he? I would imagine Super so. nice. I mean, he's did so much stuff off screen, mm-hmm. like producer, executive producer, like uh, MacGyver, mm-hmm. Richard Dean Anderson. He was the executive producer of that, mm-hmm. um, of, and of course, many other things. But, you know, we look at Happy Days, and you had Ron Howard leave mm-hmm. to go be this producer, right? Mm-hmm. And Henry Winkler... We think of Fonzie, and you know he's acted in things, but he's also done a lot behind the camera. He has that people don't really, uh, yeah. You and know. he's he's just really, really, really genuine. One of the nicest guys, actors I've ever met. But see, what we really want to know, yes, did Joni really love Chachi? <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> they and do. That's what we're out here. We're on the search <laughs> to find out if Joni really did love Chachi. Yes, and. Uh, the other thing that was interesting was um, Al's Diner. We yep. talk about Happy Days. Yep. Al's Diner. Um, when Mr. Miyagi mm-hmm. took it over. Mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of interesting. because It was. Beat. Now, was his name Al, too? Or did he just keep the name of the restaurant Al? He just kept the name yeah. of the restaurant Al. And you know they were only on for three, I think. No, 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 no. That was Gilligan's Island. I was going to say three seasons. Happy Days was on. Yeah, they were a little bit longer. Like ten, yeah. Um, and then the other thing, too, which was kind of interesting was... Uh, a hickey from Kaniki, yeah. Greece. He was in an episode of Happy Days as a greaser yes. or as a gangster guy, whatever they called it back then. Yes. So I guess you can't, once you get what, typecast, then I guess you can't break that image. But yeah, Mr. Miyagi owned Al's Diner <laughs> in Happy Days. Great. Before, That's where Fonzie had his office. Yes, before. Yeah, exactly. And then he, how many times have you uh, smacked the wall to get something to start or just hit the side of the television or the... A lot. Yeah. Back yeah. in the old days. Yeah, yeah a lot. Days. I yeah. don't necessarily anymore, but... Oh, because now it'll break. You yeah, look now, at it exactly. Wrong. Now it'll you break. You look at it wrong and it breaks. Yeah, but back in the day, in the 70s, yeah. Smack it and smack on it, it and comes. works again. Yeah. You do that. You have my car sometimes. <laughs> but we're here at uh, the Hollywood Hills. Uh, obviously, you see the Hollywood sign behind us. Now, we did a, um, a couple of shows from here and we thought that, you know... Let's do another one. It's fun to get out. It's fun to uh, see the sights. 
Um, our goal is to get other places, to get to other landmarks and things like that. Um, but, of course, it's a little bit more difficult with the way the um, the state of the state is with the uh, the health issues and stuff. So some places still aren't open for us. So we decided that, you know, hey, another show from the Hollywood sign is be, be fun because we can kind of reminisce about some of the, the fun Hollywood things that we got to. Have you ever been to uh, Madame Tussauds Wax Museum? I have. See, that's one place that I've been trying to get us in, but it's still closed. Mm. So once that opens up. Inside? Inside. Ooh, wow. Try to find a spot that would be so. I just watched, because we um, a recently, Halloween was not too long ago, Turner Classic Movies, yeah. my favorite movie channel. They were playing uh, the Wax Museum. Mm. The um, It was so good. Yeah. But yeah, I want to get us to do one from the Wax Museum, the Grammy Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, the Academy, um, the, no, it's not called the Oscar Museum, the... Is it called? The, there's a new museum for the Academy. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts mm-hmm, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I want to. I would love to go in there. La Brea Tar Pits. I don't, I don't know if we'd do that, but because the movie Volcano. I've never been to the La Brea Tar Pits. Can you believe uh, that? I've lived here really? 20, 30 years. I've been to La Brea Tar Pits. I've never been. I've been a couple times, in fact. In fact, it was one of those things. Like, what should we do today? Uh, we just watched Volcano. Let's go see the tar pits. <laughs> uh, not much there, but it was, and it's, in fact, it was a rainy day too. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's why it wasn't so exciting because the the tar wasn't bubbling. Yes. Um, but uh, but yeah. So there's a lot of things that you take for granted when you're around and you grew up in an area. And for like us in L.A., like we were talking to some lady one time. I think the last time we were here, and she was saying that um, I think it was the last time I was here. I've been up here a few times, so. Um, but she was saying that she had never been here, and she's a SoCal native. Mm-hmm. So you know that's the type of thing. Is you live in an area, you just take things for granted. And you don't realize that there's a lot of stuff out there that's really cool and interesting. I've actually never been up here. You've never been to this spot. I have never been until up until the this last close time we're here. Yeah, to the Hollywood wow. sign. I've never been up here this close. But yeah, so uh, so that's the type of thing. It's like getting out and seeing the sights. And then again, another reason why is because there was some uh, a lady sent me a, a message one time about a picture that I posted from the Santa Monica Pier, which is another place we're going we to should, try to hit. We should yeah. go to that beach, yes. But she used to live here, moved away, and she thought it was kind of cool to see the sights again. So that kind of light bulb, mm-hmm. well, let's get out and get some place. Instead of just sitting in a in a room somewhere, let's get out and do some fun stuff, be creative during this time yep. uh, of lockdown and things like that. So that's why we're we're out and about doing some things. We've been to the beach a couple times. We've been to the Doubletree Hotel downtown, the mm-hmm. Kyoto Gardens, uh, El Trito Restaurant in Pasadena. Um, New and Hall. if you would like us to come to your spot um, and showcase your spot, please let us know. Reach out to us. Yes, especially if you're in San Francisco. We'd love to come up because <laughs> we're on TV in San Francisco now. <laughs> we are on TV in how many cities now? Uh, I think seven. 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 That's why we're here, too, because we're going to change the Hollywood sign <laughs> to two steps ahead. <laughs> change it. In fact, you know, there's a few times uh, that they changed it. One time, I think it was the Army-Navy game was here, I think, in 83, and they changed the sign to Go Navy. Oh, wow. Another time, they changed it to Hollyweed. <laughs> so there's been a few times over the course of the uh, Hollywood sign that was erected in 1923 originally uh, that there's been some pranks you know, going on. And then, of course, uh, for those of you that might have missed some past episodes, we were at the Hollywood sign. It started in 1923 as a billboard to advertise a land development for housing that's kind of behind uh, you, the way we're looking. And so they erected Hollywood land to advertise the, the, the housing. And then eventually land fell and just became Hollywood. Eventually it was donated to the city, and it became an iconic symbol, and that's what it is. And so now it's a historical landmark, 
and it will never go away until either an earthquake or a tornado knock it down. Is it made of wood? Uh, no, it's actually, I think it, it was. And I think it's actually now some sort of metal composite type mm, thing. I was like, going to say, because uh, if there's a fire, yeah, no. boy, that would just come right no, down. No, it used to be wood, and then it, it came down. And it used to have light bulbs in it, Yes, 3,700 light bulbs. Uh, but now it's like eco-friendly or eco-friendly. So mm-hmm. whatever it's made of now, it's eco-friendly. Um, Hopefully fire-friendly. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think it would burn. <laughs> melt? Would it melt it in a fire? <laughs> and then there was in 1932, there was an actress, a 24-year-old actress, who actually jumped off the H and becoming uh, the only, I think, suicide person. And then you used to actually be able to go to the sign, and now it's all roped off, and it's, I think it's trespassing if you get within. You, you can know, go um, pretty close. Pretty close. There's a trail up there somewhere that you can hike yeah. up to the sign. But you can't actually so, climb on it. Or no, touch so it. I'm not sure. Um, I don't see the trail from here. But um, It's a pretty big hike, too. Yeah. There's, I know some people have done that, so, but I don't see it. Like, there's I a website, it's a secret website. I mean, it's not a secret website. Anybody could, but it's not well known, and it gives all the secrets. And there's a uh, a trailhead that they tell you where to go, mm-hmm. where to hike, and it'll mm-hmm. take you like so that you're like right there. Yeah. And in fact, you know what? Uh, you have Mount Rushmore, right? Well, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take down the Hollywood sign, and we're actually gonna put our faces up there. <laughs> so it's gonna be like you know. I thought you said I thought you were gonna say we're gonna go to Mount Rushmore and we're gonna film. Wow, that'd be fun too. That that would that would be fun to like go around the country, yes. like to get an RV. That'd be cool. And drive around the country and film. We could do at, that at different iconic um, places places yes. around the United States. That yes, would be very that'd cool. Be a lot of fun. Mount Rushmore would be fun. Hey, if you Grand want to sponsor that trip, yeah. <laughs> You'd be our best friends, our BFFs forever. <laughs> yes, uh, we would promote the heck out of whatever yes. it is you have, and uh, we would take you on the road with us. You can drive the van. Yeah. <laughs> you could be our uh, groupie. You can schlep yeah. equipment. Yes. But um, but anyway, so that's why we're here, because it's just fun to get out and be a part of uh, the iconicness of a place that you live in. So if there's a place like Mount Rushmore in South Dakota, have you ever been there? I have not. I've been there. I've been it's, to the Grand Canyon, cool. but not... Not Mount Rushmore. It's cool because at night, uh, they light it up, which is cool. And then there's another time where if it rains, it looks like they're crying. Mm. And I hear that's, like, really cool. That's cool. Yeah. And then driving through the Black Hills at night is just, like, really cool. And then Keystone, which I don't know if there's much left or what was because it had since burned down since I'd been there, which was a number of years ago. I'm sure they rebuilt. But it used to have that kind of old west feel. How the remodel went, I don't know, but it was fun. It was a fun trip. Do you know the movie, since we're sitting under the Hollywood sign, do you know the movie that was filmed? I don't know if it's the only one that was filmed there, but one of the, well, there was an the, old classic uh, movie. Oh, old classic. I was thinking of Book of Treasures. Mm, yeah. Uh, the, you know, Nicholas Cage Nicolas movie. Cage, yeah. Um, North by Northwest oh, was that with there? Cary Grant. I've never seen that. Yep. Is that where the plane comes in? Uh, yes. Yeah, that, really, that's in it. Excellent movie. Yeah. And, Another uh, one of my favorites. That place is actually a pretty interesting, uh, the way they built it. Uh, Borgalum, the way he built it is actually with the dynamite blasting and stuff. I mean, yes. it's, it's when, you, when you take everything and you just admire it for the work that it is and how they got it, it's quite impressive. It's crazy. And so pretty soon you'll see our faces on the <laughs> hill behind us. <laughs> we're we'll gonna, our names are going to be up in lights yes. soon. And, uh, <laughs> but hey, what we're going to talk about is uh, team building. There's uh, a lot of things that uh, require us to work together as a team. Mm-hmm. It could be a team of two. It could be a team of four. It could be a team of 30. Uh, but it requires a team. And oftentimes that dynamic, those relationships can kind of uh, fray and become problematic. 
intentionally or unintentionally. And so then the production of whatever we're doing is kind of sluggish. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk about team building. Now, you had at one point, and I would imagine it's still there, uh, on your Instagram or Facebook, social media, maybe both, um, a six-slide presentation. Ten. Oh, was it ten? Uh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> was it really ten? Yeah. Maybe I didn't miss some of them then. Yeah, there were ten Maybe slides. I stopped after six. Maybe yeah, probably. You got bored. I got bored. Moved on. <laughs> but, Which um, happens with a lot of my stuff. <laughs> no, but okay, so team building. So one of the things that you wrote, and I'm taking this all from the presentation. Yes. Okay. So the first thing you wrote was trust facilitates healthy conflict. Yes. Why? Okay, first, I, I guess feel like we should. We're on well, a quiz show. So, well, I, well, let me tell you I the. I think we should define healthy and conflict and healthy conflict first so yes. people understand what you mean. Yes. So, do you want to do. Do you remember? Let me be, and before you do that, let me go one step behind. Let me start uh, one step further behind. Is that um, I took this from Patrick Lencioni's The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, it's a book. It's a leadership book um, that is out. It's available on Amazon. I did not get any proceeds. I just really love his material. And in his book, um, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, he has it listed as a triangle. And there's five levels in the triangle. And so each level has to be accomplished before you can get to the next level. And so the bottom level is trust. Absence of trust. Right. So if, so he, he phrased it in the negative, the five dysfunctions of a team. You could also phrase it in the positive and say the five functions okay. of a team. So the bottom level is trust. So for a dysfunctional team, there would be an absence of trust. The next level up would be um, um, conflict. Um, yeah, or he wrote fear of conflict. Fear of conflict, right. Um, the next level up would be lack of accountability um, or commitment. Commitment, lack of commitment. Lack of commitment, and then um, lack of accountability. Avoid accountability. Avoid accountability and the results. It's easier for me to say it. Trust, right? Conflict. The reverse of what he wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So tr- the bottom level is trust, and then conflict, and then commitment, and then accountability, and then results. Yes. That's it's easier for me to say it that way. So if if you phrase it in the positive or the negative, yes, those are the five lack steps. of avoidance of. And so when you talk about healthy conflict, okay, you had the definitions of what, I guess, healthy was and what conflict was. And so healthy was communication that respects each participant. Mm -hmm. And then conflict was that uh, incompatible or opposing view, that need or that demand. Mm Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about healthy conflict, you're talking about combining those two mm-hmm. to be productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of times we think that conflict, there's people that are conflict avoidant and we want to avoid because we think conflict is a bad word. Conflict is not bad in and of itself. That is just the way that it's, it's what the topic is and it's the way that we handle it. But it's not bad in and of itself because conflict could be um, – a, a discussion, it could be a difference of opinion on a, a, a creative design, on innovation, on the marketing plan. Um, so it's not that it's a bad thing to have. Co- every relationship has to have conflict, I guess, is the point of the triangle, is that you must have trust and then you must have conflict and then you will get the commitment and the accountability and the results. And so people think that, oh, we don't argue, we don't have any conflicts, so we're good. That's actually not true because that means that you're not invested in anything. That means you're not growing. It means you're not moving forward. You're stagnant. Um, 
so conflict is a really like for example we could um argue about or have conflict over how to um organize the set or we could have a conflict over what time to um get together or how to redecorate the backyard or how to remodel the house or how to raise the kids or um how to handle the finances like not these are not bad things but it's just the conflict comes in is where the reason why it's called conflict is because people have opposing ideas of how to handle it. So healthy is is um, having respect for the other person that you're having a dialogue with. And then the conflict is um, these opposing ideas that you're talking about, that you're bringing to the table. And so healthy conflict is being able to have a discussion about the ideas on the table in a way that solves the problem and doesn't hurt people's feelings or call people names or um, disparage or condemn or whatever. See, now the basic trait, I guess you could say, of all this is trust. Because you're right, trust is needed to grow the team to achieve max results and progress to each level. And without a lack or with a lack of trust, you're stuck at the bottom. Mm -hmm. So it starts with trust. It it has to start with trust. So, for example, let's say um, we're, I mean, we're not, um, married, but let's just pretend that we are. And so let's say that we'd be divorced in five minutes. <laughs> we have so much conflict. That's why we're so successful because we have so much conflict. Yes, we would be divorced in five minutes. Um, so let's say that, that, um, we're talking about how to, um, raise the kids, for example, or, um, let's say that little Johnny did something and we're disagreeing over how to handle that situation. So, um, there's going to be, we're going to have to talk it out. So if one of us says, okay, if he says, okay, she's just impossible, and he goes off and, and goes into his man cave, that's not going to solve the problem. And if I, like, berate him and start yelling and be like, how could you, why could you think that, and how could you handle it that way, whatever, that's not going to solve the problem, right? Okay, here's a good example. Let's, let's, let's role play. So <laughs> curfew. <laughs> Yes. You got like a senior in high school, a junior mm. in high school, curfew. And let's say you wanted curfew at You 11. as the parent or you as the kid? No, parents. Parent once, okay. So we got the, the Johnny or whatever you said. Okay. Um, and so there's a curfew, okay. So you want curfew at 11, and I say, ah, oh, curfew could be midnight. Mm-hmm. So how would we resolve that? Eleven <laughs> thirty. Right. See. So. So that. So I did not handle that well when that situation was in our house. I'll just be honest. Let me just. So theoretically, let me just put it that way. Theoretically, <laughs> um, you have to look at the kids. Like, okay, are they responsible? Do they have a track record of sneaking around, being behind the scenes, sneaking out of the house after you know they're put to bed? Um, are they responsible with the car? Are they, you know, do they get into shenanigans at every turn or do they, are they, you know, you have to look at that because honestly, like the, the time isn't really that big of an issue, but right. it's, are they respecting the time? Are they re- coming home when you say are they, are they good? You know, so you have to, as the parent, you have to put yourself aside because sometimes we do that. We're like, no, I just want you home at 11 and there's no good reason. Right. Right. So we have to not do that. We have to look at the whole picture. I did that several times, like to my daughter. I'm like, no, you can't do that. She's like, I'm with safe people. I'm with, I'm going here and there's nothing happening. And, and it was my fear that was causing me to like, you know, have a tight grip. And I didn't need to have that tight of a grip. And 
But see, it also depends on circumstances because curfew was never a problem for me until my friend died. Mm. Late one night coming home from a basketball game, taking another friend home, Mm -hmm. and he died. And so, therefore, then all of a sudden it's rethinking curfew should, out of safety, Mm -hmm. because of this that happened, should there be something implemented Mm -hmm. because of safety. That's Yeah. And And so then that complicates things. It does because now you've got people's fears involved. And I think that what we have to remember in conflict is that it's really easy for me to sit here and say, okay, put everything out on the table and solve the problem in the best, in the way that is best for that problem, right? It's not about the individual person. It's, it's, it's for the team. It's, you know, but when you, when everybody comes to the table, everybody brings something different to the table. They bring fears, they bring past experiences, they bring history, they bring their own, like, oh my gosh, when I was going out and a younger kid carousing, I was into all kinds of trouble. So then that parent will hold on really tight to their kid and their kid, it doesn't warrant because they're a good kid, right? So we have to remember that when we come together in a conflict, which just means we have opposing ideas, everybody brings their baggage to the table and it makes it infinitely worse. That's why sometimes you just need to have a moderator. Um, But you have to put it all out. And trust means that you and I can have an argument and not walk away mad, not slam doors. It means that um, I can say whatever is on my heart and you might not like it, but you're not going to abandon me. You're not going to call me names. You're not going to label me. You're, you might question me. Like, I don't understand or why would you say that or whatever, which is fine. But that trust means that I can be myself and bring to you my ugly or am I tired, or am I hungry, or am I angry? And you're going to handle it in a way that you are for me. It's like, okay, she's being a diva, so I'm just going to like pacify her right now. I'm not going to take it personal because I trust that she's, this isn't about me. Like, I just need to feed her. Like <laughs> Snickers bar. I need to give her a Snickers bar so she calms down. Like, that's trust. So I can't take your name off of a mountain? Yeah, no. I mean, your face. We can't, no. can't take your face down no, no, no. off the mountain. Have to leave it up there. No, and that's that is the sign of a good like team is that when each person can be themselves, be vulnerable, and know that then when it's time to have a you know a discussion about opposing ideas, we can do that without. Oh shoot! They think really bad of me. They think I'm stupid. They don't like me. They don't love me. Maybe they're changing their mind. Maybe they don't want to be partners with me anymore. Like none of that even enters the mind when there's trust. Okay, when you say trust, you write or the slide said vulnerability, respect the vulnerabilities is the key to the trust. Mm -hmm. So a person, you have to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Then I have to respect that, and Mm -hmm. vice versa, Mm -hmm. in order for trust to work. Yeah, so if I have a weakness and if I say um <laughs> if I say I'm not um good at this part of my job, I need some help. That's being vulnerable because a lot of people don't want to ask for help. They don't want to admit that they're struggling. They don't want to like, oh shoot, I'm supposed to be doing this and I don't know how to do it. It's I don't want to do it like I'm so for me to be vulnerable and so then you have to be a good receiver and not be like start calling me names or start, you know, shouting at me like, how could you let me down and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I know that you're going to handle it in a way that's like, all right, I don't like what you're saying, but let's talk about it. Maybe we can figure something else. Maybe we can bring in a coach. Maybe we can get some more training. Maybe it's fine. Like there's all kinds of things, especially people at work, like if they're not doing their job. It could be because they didn't have the training, but they're afraid 
or embarrassed to be like, I don't know this part of my job because they feel like they should know how to do it. So they're afraid to raise their hand. It could be that they didn't have enough training. It could be that they don't have the right supplies. It could be that their coworker is not meeting deadlines. And so therefore this one can't come through. So we have to be, we have to be, um, truthful enough to say what's really going on, but we have to be good receivers and have a safe place. Tell me the bad, tell me the ugly. And let's talk about it in a way that is respectful and, and brings, helps each other grow and not tear each other down. Now, some of the examples that you've been talking about, but to kind of focus in on some of them as far as external conflicts. Okay. You mentioned creativity could mm-hmm. be an external conflict. There's a difference in creativity. So that's a, a conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, problem solving, like you mentioned, you might want to solve the problem of curfew one way. I might want to do it another way, mm-hmm. or, you know, you might want to train somebody a certain way, but I think it should be trained this way for better. Mm-hmm. So they've got, you know, uh, problem solving. Uh, obviously that goes to productivity. Scheduling. Schedules could be an external conflict. Mm-hmm. We have different schedules, so that poses a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, personalities. Different types of personalities can be a uh, problem as far as external conflicts. And, of course, rules, laws, worldviews, and other things like that are the external conflicts that people might be mm-hmm. facing. Mm-hmm. So then, And then the internal conflicts could be core values, mm-hmm. your belief system. You know, you're big on character, so character, uh, thoughts, behavior. Um, needs and wants, maybe traditions, your maturity level, you know, your experience. Okay. So when you talk about healthy conflict, which is the resolution of a healthy communication that respects each participant and, and you add that it's the resolution of that conversation with the opposing views. Okay. So the external versus the internal, how would you handle or how do you handle? Because they're two different things. Right. So every problem um, that we have with another person, there's two things going on. There's the external and there's the internal. So um, let's say, so the external problem, if we go back to the scenario that we're married, um, and let's say Johnny is missing curfew. So that's the external problem. The problem is, is that we have this child that is missing um, curfew, missing other, you know, deadlines or whatever. And so then we have to be able to um, have a conversation about that, but we're coming at it from two different places, right? So we're in a disagreement. So that's where the conflict is. So I want to, you know, set some more boundaries. I want to take some things away. You're like, Oh, let's just, um, it's, you know, not a big deal. Let's, he can stay out till midnight. Um, I say that he has to earn it. So the internal conflicts are, um, what I bring to the table into the, into the argument and what you bring to the table. So I may have a childhood that I was raised in fear and I was raised in, um, no, you just have to do this and do what you're told and you're not allowed to, to talk back. You may have been raised in a, in a, re, in a family that says, um, oh no, it's really good for the kid to have freedom. Um, let's say that you didn't have a lot of rules. You didn't have a lot of, um, um, restrictions or whatever. And so you're more like, Oh, let them, you know, just grow up. And so, so we are each coming to this external conflict with our own internal worldviews and our own internal, um, disciplines and thought patterns. And so that is another, so not only are we have opposing views in what we think is going on with Johnny, but we also have opposing views in what is, what is, our own personal worldview 
And that's where a lot of the conflict or a lot of the um, lack of resolution of conflicts come from. And people get really mad and end up getting divorced because they don't know how to navigate. They don't understand that they're, we're bringing a set of things to the table when we discuss things. And so sometimes it's hard to see the other person's, but like, I just don't understand your worldview, right? And so it's hard to like come to a resolution. So you really have to be like, okay, what is the actual external conflict and what is best for that person and that situation? And we have to kind of realize what it is that our natural inclination that we're bringing and kind of put that aside almost because we want to make sure that the resolution to the problem is um, sincere and that it has integrity. There's a story that I like. I heard it a number of years ago, but it's Thanksgiving and the little girl is in the kitchen and the mother is making the turkey, baking the turkey. Okay. And so the mother cuts the turkey in half (laughs) and puts it into the oven. And so the little girl thought that was curious. So she asked her mother, mother, why do you cut the turkey in half and then put it into the oven? And the mom thought about it for a moment and said, oh, you have to go ask your grandmother. So the little girl goes out to the living room. Grandma's sitting there on the Davenport. <laughs> yes. And so grandma's sitting there and the little girl's like, grandma, why does mom cut the turkey in half before she puts it in the oven? And the grandma's like, well, I don't know why your mother does it, but we had to do that because the ovens were so small, we can only cook one half of a turkey at a time. So that's context. So the mother just did it because the grandmother did it, but the grandmother did it because there's purpose. There's context. The ovens weren't big enough. Those, you know, and, I, and I envisioned those little I coal have a, burning. Yes, I have a small story that goes along with that. My husband, he's going to kill me. My husband. Her real one. My real husband, not, not the great not son. Not the pretend him. one. Not the pretend that's one. That's up on the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> he, I, so his mom. So, okay, so he irons. His pants and they hang on the floor while he's ironing. Like he hangs, like we have this ironing board that has a full, it's big enough to lay a man's pants on top of the ironing board so that the whole pants are up there, right? He hangs them so that they're hanging off and he literally has to hold on to it like with one hand because if he lets go, it would just fall on the floor. I said, I don't understand why you're doing that. And I said, Oh, you're, start, let me show you. And he's like, No, 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 I know. This is, and then it's like, Well, this is how my mom does it. And I'm like, Okay, but. If you let go of your, like, it's awkward because if you let go of this hand, it's all going to fall on the floor. And then you got this iron with the iron and it's like, how do you get the, like, I just couldn't understand. So one day I go to his mom's house. She is like five feet tall, has this little teeny tiny ironing board, like half the size of ours that comes out from the wall that she's had since 19, you know, 50. And there's no room. To put the right. clothes yeah. on the ironing board. They have to hang off on the floor. She has to hold it because she doesn't have a proper size ironing right. board. It's like minute. It's like so. And I'm like, okay, but you don't have to. I don't understand. I don't know. This is how you iron. I'm like. Yeah. Or, or nowadays. <laughs> nowadays. My, understand. My, my grandfather was always change your oil every 3,000 miles. Because, you know, keeps the car healthy, right? And so. That was ingrained every 3,000 miles. But now, I went the other day 
or whatever Depending it was. on the new cards, could yeah. be six or seven. Yeah. And the guy's like, you were just here 3,000 miles ago. I'm like, yeah, it's supposed to change every 3,000 miles. He goes, with the way these th- synthetic oils are and everything, yep. you could go 10,000 depending on the situation. It's completely different. Yeah. He's like, come back another time, at least another 3,000 miles, then consider it. Because things have changed. It's not the motor oil that my grandfather used. It's right. the new stuff. And the new stuff is better than the old stuff, apparently, and it lasts longer and so on and so forth. And so- that's another thing. So when you take a look also at some of these team building exercises and stuff, when you talk about the external conflicts or internal conflicts when it comes to tra- traditions and stuff, a lot of times it might have to, everybody might have to take a step back and realize that the traditions that we hold may, I don't want to say are invalid because you never want to invalid, but maybe we need to upgrade our perspective on it because things around us have changed mm-hmm. and it's no longer necessary. And if we hold to that value... Like, okay, I want to change uh, my oil every 3,000 miles. However, I don't know about you, but oil changes have become expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we could top 100 bucks if we're not careful, depending on where you go. So every 3,000 miles, 100 bucks, 100 bucks, 100 bucks, 100 bucks. Well, if you're on a budget, if you push it to 6,000, now you're saving 100 bucks every, you know, right. right? And so it becomes a different thing. So you change your mindset to, okay, I'm going to understand that the way – things are made now, the oils and the, the stuff, uh, I can go longer and therefore I'm not wasting money or spending money unnecessarily because of a 3,000 mile rule mm-hmm. that may be at one time. Or I don't have to cut the turkey in half because the oven is now big enough for the turkey. Right. Or I don't have to hang on to my pants <laughs> because ironing boards now have They're full size. gotten big and they fit. And if there's any good divorce attorneys now watching, you might want to hit her up. Uh, no, but, but that's the thing. And so when we, when we look at some of these external conflicts or these internal conflicts and we go through, you know, personalities and traditions and maturity and, and some of these things, it's, it's, it's in us mm-hmm. that we're looking at these things. But then we might have to look at ourselves, too, mm-hmm. what and we're maybe bringing to adapt. The table. Yeah. yeah, because if we don't change, mm-hmm. now the ironing of the pants and some of these analogies might not be a big deal. Um, but there's some places where it could be a big deal. Mm-hmm. And if we don't change, then that conflict is always going to be there because of... And I know. would say, I would say instead of using the word change, I would say probably mature. If we don't mature. Because sometimes things, you sh- that kind of opens a can of worms. Um, so I would say if we mature in our ideas and if we challenge our ideas, we, if we challenge our traditions, if we challenge the way that we ourselves do things and ask ourselves, why am I doing this, doing it this way? Like, I don't have to cut the turkey in half. I don't have to iron with half my pants dangling on the floor. Like, if we just, if we're just, you know, if we can say that to ourselves, you know, and then mature in our ideas and our thought processes, that is, um, a, because we get stuck and then we bring that to the to a conflict and then we're not now, being healthy. Now, if hubby irons his shorts, does it fit on the ironing board? <laughs> not like, I am not going to answer that question. Or is he still hanging on to it for dear life? <laughs> uh, okay, now, you, you, you also had in the slide healthy conflict. We're getting to some things. You're, you're getting me in trouble. We're getting deep here, folks. You're, we're getting deep. You're going to get me into some serious uh, conflict in my house. New co-host resumes are being accepted because <laughs> she's now banned from doing the show. Face is coming down off the mountain behind us. Okay, so you write healthy conflict necessary, and it's necessary because of growth yes. or necessary for growth. Yes. It's necessary for commitment. It's necessary for accountability. 
which all leads to results. results. Yes. So um, if, if you are of the mindset that if you are a conflict avoidant, then you're not going to get there. You're not going to get to the commitment. You're not going to get to account. And the reason why it's so important is because everybody has a different idea. Say, for example, there's five of us here and we want to, we're working on this podcast and, and you want to take it in a direction. You want us to be on TV in every city in America, which you're on your way. We're like, getting there. <laughs> I'm not being, I'm not off track by saying that he wants us to be on TV in every city in America. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. Um, so maybe somebody else says, no, I really want to um, really focus on the YouTube and I really want to, to go that avenue. And somebody else says, no, we should be strictly audio. We don't want to do the, you know, whatever. So those are all good ideas. So in that situation, what would happen is San would say, we're going to be on TV in every city and I don't care what you guys think and we're going to do this. That's what would happen. But let's say that these were investors. Let's say now they're going to foot the bill for whatever it is, you know, they're going to pay for everything, right? So now they have a bigger voice um, and we all have different ideas around the table. Um, so what's going to happen is, is that if there's trust built, that means that we all know that we're headed to the same place. We're all headed to faces on the hill, right? right. So that's the goal. But how we're going to get there is, a, you know, five different ideas plus people are putting money down. So in that respect, if everybody's ideas during the conflict are heard, if everybody gets to say their piece and go around the table, and this is why it's so important for families because families are a team. And if you need a moderator, by all means, get a third party. But every person gets to say what they desire or what they want or what they need right so everything is put on the table then the best ideas are pulled out or maybe an amalgamation of ideas are pulled out in order to satisfy the faces on the hill right so what that means is not everyone's going to get their way you may only be in half of the cities in the united states but this person's like yeah i'm going to pay for this and we're going to do um movie screens or something like it's going to be completely different so not everyone is going to get their way but when you do it that way, when you have trust and you enter into conflict and you go towards conflict and you say, yes, let's talk about it. What happens is if you do it in the right way, you will have buy-in. That's where the commitment comes in. People will be committed to the mission, whether or not they agree with the mission. So you may, you would be committed to, you might be committed to what they, their idea, even though you're, you're going to have to sacrifice not being on in every city in America. That's what that would look like. And you would be okay with that because the overall goal is still the same. Just getting there is going to be a little bit different. And that's where the team really, people are going to buy into an idea, whether it was their idea or not. That's where the commitment is. And then once they buy into it and they're committed to it, even if it wasn't their idea, then they're going to be accountable to it. And then you're going to get results. So you have to, have to, have to, have to, have to have conflict in every relationship that you have based on trust in order to get to those higher level commitments and accountabilities and results. Now, one of the things that you had was, um, I forgot what the headline was because I didn't write it down because I was running out of our classy cars. <laughs> but um, admit mistakes and weaknesses. So if we're looking, I guess, at ourselves here, mm -hmm. okay, we have to admit our mistakes and, and know our weaknesses mm -hmm. and then be able to ask for help, okay? Uh, we need to accept questions. If people, I guess, are, you know, 
putting questions out there. Give the benefit of the doubt. Right. Take risks in offering feedback. Yes. Appreciate other skills and then focus on the important issues because there could be times where an issue just isn't important. Now, if somebody, like you mentioned, okay, if somebody was, let's say, sponsoring and paying, that'd be a little different than what we're doing now. But if someone came and said, I want to do YouTube, then what I would do right now, I'd be like, okay, you take it and you build us a YouTube mm-hmm. presence. You build us the audio presence. I'm going to work on every TV in America, mm-hmm. every city in America is TV. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I would approach it in that particular instance. But yeah, there's there's got to be... Um, but, but I also think, too, in that team building, it goes down to leadership because there has to be a direction. And if five people are going in five different directions, then you're going to end up nowhere. Yeah, so the leader is key. And the leader, in my mind, a leader's job is is to bring out the best in other people, is to keep the team on track, is to um, make sure that the voices are heard and then make decisions that are best for um, the team or the product at large, right? And so you you have this group of people and you say, what is your goal? And then how do you get that team towards that goal so that everyone is bought into the goal, whether it was their idea or not? And so leadership is huge. So if you have someone that is um, lying or manipulating or talking behind people's backs, there was a situation where... Um, um, I read or I heard um, a podcast that I was listening to where a, a leader was um, going to like the birthday parties and doing all the fun stuff for the employees and doing everything, you know, the good, the easy stuff for the projects. But then when there was something wrong, he would go and talk behind their back to another department. And so they were like, okay, I don't trust this guy because he's, he's not coming to us and telling us what's wrong. He's going to other people and complaining about us but then he would show up at the wedding and be all nicey nice and you know whatever so the leader has to have a lot of integrity and they have to um it's not about like control it's not about just telling people what to do it's um how can i help you um grow how can i help you achieve your goals how can i help you learn and get more training um you know, tell me what's going on. And you're bringing these people together in a way that's like, so when someone comes to the leader and is like, oh, so-and-so is, you know, doing this at work, it's, then you would be like, well, okay, let's talk about it, but what's your part? You know, it's it's a leader's brings as a peacemaker. It brings people together, shows people how to cooperate, um, brings the team so that the goals are met and the team is taken care of. So in the last two notes that I took from it, was that, and again, it's things that we've kind of talked about, you know, through different aspects on the show, is offer and accept apologies. Yes. Okay. Uh, and sometimes the the apologies could be, you know, simple. Like, if it's uh, if it's an understanding, there sh- I think there should be an understanding, first of all, that things are going to happen. Yes. Okay, so not everything should have to expect an apology because there's things that are going to happen. Okay, I remember a lot of times on the radio station, something would go wrong, and then management would get all mad and blah, blah, blah. And finally, I had to tell them, what, you think we're actually intentionally sabotaging the station or sabotaging the show or whatever? No. We are trying to do our best to make this successful, but at times, there are things that are going to happen where, okay, you know what? It just didn't work out. Right. You know, maybe we took a chance on a guest. You know, I mean... 
maybe we took a chance on a topic. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Right. And so then instead of getting all upset about it and flying out the handle, why don't you find out and ask us about it? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think there's a situation where not everything needs to be an apology if it goes wrong because – when you're in the creative process, especially and you're trying things, you have to try in order mm-hmm. to to see if it works. And if it works, great. Right. Um, but I know a the- I know a, p- a place, and I can't remember the name of them, but they say that if you're not failing every single day, then you're not um, trying. You're not or not being creative enough, or you're not trying hard enough. Like they encourage failures to fail forward. Yeah, and in the sports world, you know, you learn more from failures than you do from success. Yeah, know? every well, everywhere. Every, yeah. yeah. And so a lot of times, you know, you look at a team that went undefeated, you know, let's say college basketball, for example, there's times where uh, one of the, you know, best college teams might lose in their conference tournament, but then they might go on to win the national championship because they learn more from that loss and realize, okay, we are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. We can lose. Okay. So this is a gut check. Mm -hmm. Now we really need to not take any game for granted or any opponent for granted. So yeah, you, you, you learn from, from failures just as much, if not more so than success, but you do have to have an understanding that things may go wrong, and so you may have to offer up or accept apologies. And then the other thing, which is kind of interesting, because I think a lot of times um, this can be problematic, is looking forward to working with the team members. Right. You know, I mean, how many times do we sit there, and it's record day for us, and we're going to do the shows, and it's like everything else is going on, and it's like, <laughs> oh, do I really want to get out there and have to go through all the hassle of I know, right? the drive, the setup? All this stuff. But then the thought is, okay, we get to work together. We get to do the shows, and that's all fun and exciting, and it puts away all the other stuff. If it was anything, anybody else, it could be like, I'm just going to call and be like, I can't make it today. And then the thing would fall apart because once you miss one, you're going to miss another, you're going to miss another, and we haven't missed any. We have not missed any. In fact, we've took steps to make it so that we don't. So we've gone beyond that. And so that's the other thing, too, working, having a team around you or the people around you. Uh, I know somebody that uh, is working at a place, and um, um, I guess there's a, another store opening closer to where he lives, and I guess they're thinking of transferring. Some people are transferring because it's closer to home. And he was, and I asked him, hey, so you're going to transfer or think about transferring? And he's like, no, because the people I work with, I enjoy. Right. And if I transfer, even though I have to drive a little bit further in traffic patterns in LA, it is a problem, mm-hmm. you know, and it is something to consider how far yeah. from home you work. But if you have an environment, and I've done that in radio, there's times where I've stayed at places way too long, mm-hmm. missed opportunities that I probably should have taken mm-hmm. because I knew the people I was working with, it was a great experience. They're it was hard a lot of to fun. find. People that are trustworthy and that will have your back and that will work as a team, they're hard to find. Yeah, and so there's times where I've passed up things and opportunities where, who knows it, where it could have taken. Mm-hmm. But I've done it because of the people I'm with and the people that I'm working with and the people that are around me. It's fun. Yeah. And we're having fun and we're doing good shows and we're enjoying ourselves. And then, you know, obviously things change, whether it's, you know, uh, layoffs or whatever. So I'm no longer there. But mm-hmm. it's like sometimes that's important. Yeah. You know, what you yeah. do and who you're with yes. is almost sometimes more important than moving forward moving forward moving forward so let me let me read you this list of um i have the slideshow in front of me so um the the list of this this is what trusting teams do this is what it looks like so so if you have a dysfunctional team just put every sentence in the negative these are written in the positive but just put it in the negative and that will give you a distrusting team so admit weaknesses and mistakes ask for help Accept questions and input. 
give one another the benefit of the doubt before arriving at a negative conclusion. Take risks in offering feedback and assistance. Appreciate and tap into one another's skills and experiences. Focus time and energy on important issues, not the politics of the system. Offer and accept apologies without hesitation and look forward to meetings and other opportunities to work as a group. So when you have trust, all of those things happen. And if you don't have trust and you're not engaging in conflict, um, then you're going to get caught up in the politics and you're going to get caught up in drama. There's going to be a lot of turnover. There's going to be um, divorce. There's going to be hurt feelings, um, a lot of um, backbiting, a lot of, you know, projects are getting done, but not with good quality. They're not, they're going to miss deadlines, um, all of that. Yeah. And see, one of the things that too, is that if you, like we've talked about, so when our podcast came together, I was looking for somebody that was opposite me in a way so that, you know, what I don't have, which isn't much, um, <laughs> you would have. So the bar was really low. And so, uh, and, uh, and, and so then you create this dynamic where you've got a compatibility where you've got this team that's together that then, you know, they say you're only as strong as your weakest link. You needed someone to make you look good. Exactly. <laughs> you're just my Ed McMahon. Let's just be honest. You're my Ed McMahon. <laughs> no, but, and so, and so, and so you got to put, so when you put the right people together in the right places, magic can happen. And that happened when I worked, you know, with the, the Frank Sontag show, you know, I was teamed up with them and the show took off, mm-hmm. you know, and at one time management said we had the highest ratings of the show for that time frame. Mm-hmm. you know, when I was at the sports station, you know, and I worked with those guys, you know, it took off on a life of its own and we had so much fun. And I remember a couple of times there were uh, celebrations because some of those guys got rating bonuses and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it just took off. Mm-hmm. And then other times those same people, or you can take a, a band, and you have the band with the groups and the members, and then they break up, and they may have still performing, making albums stuff, but they don't have that success the magic that they once is had. Gone. Yeah. yeah, and so that's Being why it's kind of team. important, and that's why when you do have that magic and you do have that team member and that team group together, and it works, things like these this can be important because you want to keep that together because the magic at some time will end. Right. All things end. And so you want to make it last as long as you can, whether right. it's a TV show, whether it's a movie, movie series, like we're here in Hollywood with the Hollywood sign. You think of all the TV shows that were, you know, had longevity. I think Law & Order mm-hmm. was one that was one of the longest running shows. And mm-hmm. then they had some spinoffs. And then you think of back in the day, Gunsmoke, which mm-hmm. was at one time one of the longest running shows. I mean, mm-hmm. still is one of the longest, but it used to be the longest running. Um, and so you think of all these things and the success that went into it or people with careers that were longevity or people that had success in other areas, whether it be um, in medicine or law enforcement or whatever, you take a look at the team around them mm-hmm. and that's what makes it successful because not, no, I don't think any one individual is going to be successful on their own. It's going to require a team. It's going to require a team. And when you put that team yep. together, then these type of steps in team building can be helpful when you understand healthy conflict because it's going to continue to push you forward. Mm-hmm. You don't become stagnant. You become better. And then hopefully things will continue to, yeah. to uh, go good for you guys. And we have that. to remember that our family is a team as well. Right. It's not just, you know, a partnership in a, in a project or um, something at work or something in your volunteer or your church. It's your family is a team. 
And so there's a common goal, uh, you know, raise a kid so they move out. Right. <laughs> I'm kind of looking forward to the emptiness at the moment. but um, Making sure that they get home but making Yeah, but making sure that they are well-rounded people and that for me, you know, that they have good character and, you know, that's always been um, of highest importance to me. But you have goals as a family and to reach them, you know, think once this is a funny thing that I always think about when a team and a project are at work, you get to choose who you want to work with, right? So at work, you go through the interview process, you choose who you want to hire for a project like this. You know, we choose like, who do I want for my co-host? And when you're in a family, people just show up and you got to take what you get. We don't pick our parents. Right? You're just born and like, you don't know the person's born. You don't know what kind of person this is going to be. You don't know what kind of, you know, you, well, I mean, some of it, the genetics are going to be like the parents, but they're their own person. Mm-hmm. And you just got to accept whoever pops out. (laughs) There's not like a firing process. There's not a hiring process. There's not an interview process. Like, so I don't know why that always cracks me up. So it's a different dynamic. You're still a team, but it's a different dynamic because you're the hiring and firing process isn't, you're not vetted. In other words, you just got to take what you get. (laughs) And that's what you get. That's why families are like, oh my gosh, who's this person? Like, where did they come from? How are they part of this family? I took what I got with her. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, so as you move forward in life and teams and family and relationships and so forth, maybe team building exercises or, you know, because oftentimes we don't really think about stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't think about how we can maintain these relationships and what causes good conflict what causes bad conflict Mm -hmm. because in the end conflict equals growth healthy conflict equals growth it does and that's what we all want to do want to continue moving forward not Mm -hmm. becoming stagnant and becoming our best people Mm -hmm. and i think just to break it down in very very simple terms it's just having a conversation and being willing to hear what is said without flying off the handle and being able to say your truth and if you can do that like a lot of this stuff would just be resolved in the families, but people are so afraid, like, oh my gosh, if I say this, it's not going to go well. They're going to get mad. Like if you can just learn those simple things, like I'm just going to listen, I'm going to understand, I'm going to validate, I'm going to offer grace and it's reciprocal. Most of your problems are going to go away. And there you have it. And pretty soon that is why we are going to get our faces on the hill one day. We are Two Steps Ed Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Two Steps Ed Podcast, T-W-O, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. There's a link in the bio. Click the link. There's a swag shop where you can buy merchandise. Christmas is coming up or perhaps Christmas has just passed. And um, and maybe there's birthdays or other things. Or maybe you just want to uh, show your support for the show. Yes. Which is greatly appreciated. Um, so, and then there's also uh, links where you can watch the show on YouTube and IGTV, obviously. And then also, um, where you can hear the show, Spotify, Pandora, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, a bunch of other places. All the links are right there. You can find me on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, Edom Rocks. And again, I have a link in the bio, similar situation. And then go to uh, RadioWarp.com. Radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. A lot of great music there. We are on there uh, Mondays and Wednesdays, 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific time, and then hopefully expanding on there shortly or soon. But uh, all kinds of great music. And there's some other podcasts there as well that you might enjoy. So RadioWarp.com. And they can find you. 
I am on social media at Tara Hoke Shiro, T-A-R-A-H-O-K-E-S-C-H-I-R-O. There's a link in my Instagram that will take you to my webpage, and um, there you will find my blog. Uh, the vid- video podcast library is there. The swag shop is there to buy merchandise, um, and yeah, and also on Facebook. And you can go to TaraShiro.com directly to the website, yes. Yeah. So we are Two Steps Ed Podcast, highlighting the stuff we've stepped in so you don't have to. Take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, <laughs> be kind, and don't be an a-hole. Thanks, guys. <laughs>